One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome back to the Hulkcast. As for the final time this season, you are joined by myself for an opposition preview as the curtain draws on the 2022-23 Premier League season. There is no room for any reminiscing though for Unai Emery's men as all that stands between his side and Europa Conference League next season is 90 minutes at Villa Park against the Brighton side who themselves have rocked this year's apple cart causing the top six to break a sweat. For such a blockbuster occasion, I had to draft in a blockbuster guest. And that's why today I'm joined by Premier League reporter Charlie Haffenden. How are you, mate? Yeah, I mean, I'll take that blockbuster reporter. I'll, t- I'll take that every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's get straight into it. Obviously, Brighton securing Europa League tonight as the time of recording. Currently sitting in sixth on 62 points. Villa on seventh with 58 points. I'm just going to talk about Tottenham sitting in eighth on 57 points and then Brighton in ninth on 56 points. How does it feel to not be in that race this weekend? Yeah, I, th- I think you meant Brentford there in, in ninth, but I get the gist of what you meant. Um, it feels great to not be in the race, to be fair. Just just have that secure going to the final game. I mean, before the game against City, it was all but secure, just that goal difference. If we were to lose, I think, 6 or 7 nil, and then lose 5 nil at Villa Park, then it would have swung. We would have gone 7th, but at least Europa Conference League would have been there. Um, just to get Europe is the main thing for us, to be honest. So, delighted. Um, but to get Europa League is another step above, and it's what De Zerbi was targeting. I think, if anything, De Zerbi was targeting top four, actually. But Europa is, is definitely a step in the right direction, and... I can enjoy it from the press box, actually, covering Villa. It would be a strange feeling. And I might well be, a part of me, hoping that Villa get a result. I think that's the weirdest line that's ever come out of my mouth. But <laughs> considering Brighton have nothing to play for, and I quite like to see Villa in Europe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm very, I think for that reason, I'm happy we've already secured it. Well, I tell you what, with comments like that, you're going to be a very popular man on today's episode. I'm going to start off by talking about Brighton. Now, obviously, a fantastic achievement to secure top six in the Premier League for any club for the first time, of course, in Brighton's history. What does seeing Brighton in Europe next season mean to you? It means everything. Um, I was, well, at my school, I wasn't quite in Brighton. Uh, I was in Kent, so I lived in the class, um, in the whole school, I think. So... And people used to take the mick all the time as we were in the championship. And I mean, being in the championship is not exactly a bad thing. I, I pride myself being a supporter of a club that's had plenty of heartache. <laughs> but I was just looking around and it was Liverpool fans and Man United and Chelsea. And Chelsea I kind of get because we were near London, but the others, I come on now. It doesn't make any sense. So now it's like a stuff you almost to the teams that are below us, the likes of Tottenham and Chelsea that have been looking down on us for so long and to only be within a few points of United and Liverpool is fantastic and we're playing better football than them anyway and we'll be knocking on their door soon so to get into Europe as well means we can sign players like we've never even dreamed of having before and just hearing the Europa League music tonight and unfortunately wasn't at the game but hearing it on telly at the Amex that is just surreal, amazing feeling You mentioned the man earlier Robert De Zerbi obviously joined this season 
taking over from Graham Potter when che- when Chelsea poached him like they do with it seems half your squad at points this season. Just what sort of transformation has he brought to the club? A massive transformation. I don't think most people would have expected it to be so smooth either, coming from Graham Potter. I certainly was worried that we might not be able to hit the same level again and that we'd fall away from that point. I did know Deserby had a lot of promise, but I didn't quite expect it to happen so quickly. Uh, and we're playing so much better than we did under Graham Potter. The style of football is a lot more daring, um, kind of drawing players in of a high press and then going beyond that. It's so effective. And even Pep Guardiola, who is one of the best managers of all time, let alone at the moment, making some amazing comments saying that Deserve is one of the best managers he's, he's ever seen, especially in the last 20 years. So it just shows what an amazing manager he is and the impact he's had. He's definitely, well, he's up for manager of the season alongside Uno Imery and co. Um, but I think he's a real contender, maybe alongside Eddie Howe and Emery. Um, I, I just love the man and I hope he stays for as long as possible. You mentioned you mentioned the daring football that he plays. Just describe it to a, to Villa fans who maybe haven't seen a, as much of Brighton as you have. Yeah, I think um, the back four is something that was a bit unusual when he first came in because we were so used to back three under Graham Potter and and using those wing backs, but instead he uses his full backs almost as inverted full backs, and they become midfielders. And you have someone like a Caicedo dropping in to maybe make a back three. It just is so interchangeable that teams we play against, even after studying for weeks, months, still can't quite work it out. And the personnel always changing as well. You've got youngsters, it's very fluid. Um, and what I mentioned before, we kind of we pass it around the back quite patiently until teams come and run at us and then we'll pass beyond the press. You quite often see one of the strikers drop in and play a quick first time ball. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes puts us into trouble. You've seen out of Villa this season. Um, Den Donka, I remember, against Stevenage. I was reporting on that one. That was uh, an awful one. Douglas Louise against Brighton. There have been a couple of others as well. It's kind of like that, but another step of daringness. <laughs> and it works so well. Obviously, there are the occasions where you give it away and you can see. But more often than not, it gets us in great positions. I was going to name the similarities between Brighton and Villa because... Villa started doing it under Emery when Emery first came in and, you know, the crowd were very antsy about it. They didn't like how the centre-backs would... It felt at the time almost dawdle on the ball and they came in for some criticism, thinking, well, we're not moving the ball fast enough. And then it started to click and, you know, you could see the ball was that transition phase almost once the space opened up and how quickly we moved it from back to front. Was there any that almost... I don't want to say panic because that feels the wrong word when when Deserby implemented his style. Was there that almost doubt? Um, you definitely get a few people in and around the stands going, oh, come on, just get rid of it now. I, I get you want to try and do this, but not at this moment. But you've got to persevere. And you've seen that with Villa firsthand, that it does work eventually. It just needs to click. It's all about getting those players to be confident in those positions and to understand their roles perfectly before it works. And you're just not going to get that overnight. It's a transition period that you have to be patient with and then you reap the benefits. Man City have been doing it for a long time. Newcastle started to do it the last season or so. Villa as well now, Brighton. Um, but I'm quite biased, I know. I just think that other than City, Brighton are the best at doing it. Uh, and the way the goalkeeper gets involved as well. I know Emmy Martinez is very good at it, but Steele steps up and he becomes almost part of the defence or the midfield 
Martinez doesn't quite do that. He often hits it a bit further long and looking for the men up front. I think Steele, the way he brings it out, and Colwell as well, driving forward, dunk. Mings tries it, Konza tries it, but it's never quite there, is it? I think that's the difference. You mentioned the word persevere, and I, I really, really like that because that leads me on to my next question is, what heights can Brighton reach under De Zerbi? Um, I think the uh, I think the heights are probably endless, as terrifying as it is. I just I can't quite get over the fact we're going to be playing in Europe. I, I couldn't get over that we finished in the top ten last season. That was beyond our wildest dreams when we were in the Championship. I mean, I wasn't around really when it was the struggles of being nearly falling out of the football league. I'm well too young for that. But I have had the struggles in the Championship and League One, and to now be in the top half and then to get Europe is crazy. Um, stepping on from this point, I think is be as competitive as we can next season, try and maintain that top six form and become a solidified top six force. We have that big six that is so difficult to break into. I'd love for us to break into that three or four out of five seasons. That might sound really unrealistic, but with the way we're going, with the way we seem to replace all the big players that leave, it just, it does seem endless. Uh, It will eventually come to an end. It happens. I've seen a few lazy comparisons with Southampton recently, how they had their couple of really good seasons, players going to Liverpool, etc. I think it's a bit different. A lot of theirs was the youth academy. There was some very clever recruitment. I do get that. But Brighton have done it more consistently, I'd argue, and for maybe a bit longer. Uh, and we're only just getting started. That was Southampton at their peak. So no, I, I'm really excited for what's ahead. It, it does terrify me, though, as I say, because <laughs> who knows what is ahead. I hope we can maintain it. Yeah, you, you mentioned you mentioned Brighton's recruitment. Obviously, you've already confirmed the signing of James Milner, I believe, and João Pedro for the summer. I think they're almost a hundred percent confirmed. João Pedro was on the pitch. I'm not quite sure about Milner. Yeah, so Pedro has been confirmed by the club. Milner, it's not confirmed, but I mean, I've reliably been told, and Fabrizio Romano, David Ornstein, etc., that it's near enough done now. It's verbally agreed. It's just not. It's not announced effectively. What are you expecting for the summer? Because there's a lot of talk about outgoings and, you know, Brighton have shown that they can offload players and then bring in higher quality players for less money. So in terms of incomings and outgoings, what are you expecting? What are you maybe hoping for? Yeah, I think there's a lot of talk that we might lose McAllister, Caicedo as well. And there's a big £80 million or £75 million bid projected in January. There's a lot of talk about him wanting to go. He did sign a new bumper contract, though, did Kai say, though, and I could see him maybe being tempted to stay. McAllister seems to have his, his heart set on Liverpool, and there's a lot of talk from Fabrizio Romano that that will be happening. I just hope that top six is enough. I reckon they were expecting us to get Europe, maybe, but probably seventh. Now we've gone that step further, and we are competing and showing Man City up, really, quite frankly. That's, that's not even me being biased, we made them look ordinary. They're going, they've won the Premier League, they're probably going to win the Champions League and the FA Cup as well. Brighton made them look normal, uh, which I, th- I think says it all, really. Beating Arsenal away at the Emirates 3-0 with a thrashing, and so often this season beating the big dogs. They should stick around. Like, why would you go to Liverpool uh, this season, anyway? If we were seventh, I'd get it, but it's just the size of the club, isn't it, and the money, probably. But in terms of the competitions you're playing in, you're already loved at Brighton. You know you're going to be a star player. Just stick around for one more year, for goodness sake. Um, but what will happen, I think, is they will go, though, unfortunately. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, there you go, McAllister. I said, if you're listening to this podcast, yeah, that, yeah that, that, well, there you go. It's as easy as that. Now, we've talked a lot about Brighton and I'm going to almost condense that slightly for my last question. And that is, if you could recap your season in one word, what would it be? outrageous i think <laughs> i love that i love that now let's switch the focus over to villa obviously our last game on sunday as well a lot at stake at villa park you mentioned that you've reported a few times what are your thoughts as a neutral on villa yeah so um i go my job i cover villa west brom wolves and birmingham city and i'm normally covering just villa as, as the main club and so I've been to plenty of their games, probably about 10. The first one was Boxing Day against Liverpool. And from what I've seen, it's just been a transition period for them. And it's done really well. Villa Park's become a fortress again. The football they've been playing is amazing. Um, but as you say, that is kind of from a, a neutral perspective in itself, because I'm not a Villa fan. Um, I do like them now, though. I think I'll always have an affinity to them because they've been the first proper club that I've gone to report on professionally. Um, and for that reason, I really want to see them finish seventh to get that Conference League spot. I just, <laughs> I'm very baffled in my mind whether I want it to, to be against Brighton. I wish they were just playing against someone random now, to be quite honest with you. Um, but no, I think it's been amazing to see how they've changed from Gerrard to Emery. Uh, my first, I think my first days in the job were, were when Gerrard got sacked, actually. So I've seen the whole era under Emery. And the summer ahead as well, the amount of money that you're going to get to spend is, is crazy, really. The squad's going to look very different. What do you think? What do you think Emery's brought to Villa Park? Uh, that, that togetherness again. Uh, under Gerald, there was a lot of frustration and shouts and scapegoats. Now you, you feel like even if the players make mistakes, maybe Leon Bailey's an exception because he makes so many of them with his decision making. But even then, people are rallying behind him and saying, "Come on now, like you can do this." He had a great game the other week and and looks a lot better against Tottenham. Yeah, you know, against Tottenham, he looks so much better. Got the assist. Um, yeah, I, I think, as I say, it's just those, that togetherness of making sure that everyone is backed, no matter what the mistakes are, and that they will get there eventually. And you've seen some really key players shine this year when other times they've been quite inconsistent. Watkins, Louise, Ramsey, um, McGinn as well, Kamara. I've been very impressed. You, you've name dropped a few players there. Are there any players that you think could cause Brighton some difficulties? Um, Watkins is out of sorts at the moment, which I'm quite glad about. I think Ramsey, with how direct he is, could cause problems. Someone like Phil Foden's always causing us issues because where we are so daring, when you've got someone who's got quite 
quick thinking and can get out of situations, not afraid to drive the defenders. That does cause us the odd problem. Um, McGinn as well, just fighting in the middle. He always seems to win his challenges. But there aren't really many players that I look at and think, oh, you're terrifying. <laughs> it's just a collective, isn't it? It's a force. Whereas I'm sure from your perspective, you're looking at a few of our guys, Matoma, that's probably one of them, and Ferguson, and McAllister, Kaiseido, a few more threats individually. I think with Villa, it's a bit more of just a force, and next season you might get a few more big names in there. What are your expectations for how you think the match is going to go? Uh, I think it will be... It's actually quite a tricky one to predict. Probably quite open and and going down both ends, just because of how they play fairly similar football and they're probably going to be giving the ball away a fair bit and being a bit ambitious. With Brighton, they're just going to have fun. Villa need to win. They have to. You can't rely on Tottenham losing and Brentford losing. They have to go and win. Uh, if they go one nil up quickly, which they quite often do at Villa Park, they'll probably sit back a bit more and have to absorb the pressure, which is quite brave against Brighton. Um, but it does mean that if you go one nil up, I think if you don't press too much, that will frustrate Brighton. It's when you do press and allow them to play their game is when they can get beyond you. So it's about getting that first goal. It's so important. See, I, re- I really like the avenue you're going down here because that leads right into my next question. And if you were Unai Emery, so you had to take your Brighton cap off, you were swapping the press box for the touchline this weekend and you were tasked with leading that Villa team out, knowing what you know again about Brighton as a whole this season, how would you set that Villa team up to get the best result possible? Yeah, it's tricky, to be honest, because even Manchester City with a fairly rotated team, but still some really big hitters in there, can't seem to get the better of them. I don't think there's really a, a magic way of stopping Brighton when they're on it. Everton, they started really positively and they shocked us a bit. Maybe that's the approach to go for, is to throw loads of energy into that and then sit back like Everton did and counter and get the goals that way because Brighton then have to come out of it. The only difference now is that we don't have to win. Uh, at that point, we have to come out and be a bit braver. Now we can just enjoy our game a bit and, and try and enjoy the season on the high. So you're probably playing us at a bad time. So we've got that freedom and there's no pressure. We've been quite inconsistent because of the pressure. And now that the shackles are going to be off. There might be some rotation, though, which is one positive for you. Yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. There were a lot of Villa fans that were going, well, we hope that they've wrapped it up because they'll they'll be on the beach. That's that's a quote that I don't really like because I don't I don't think as footballers you you know, you go out thinking about anything other than than getting the three points. And speaking of three points, fat to push you for score prediction for this weekend. Okay. Uh, I think Villa will get it over and, and done with. I actually do. Just because they have they fresh legs as well is so important. Brighton are fatigued, really fatigued, especially after playing midweek against Man City. I know that they didn't have to get the draw and they would have done it anyway, probably with the goal difference. But they put everything out there at the Amex for that final game. So I think probably 2-1 to Villa. They'll just about edge it. It'd be very tense, incredibly so. Yes, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not looking forward to my to my heart rate on Sunday. Um, that that definitely is certain. Now that leads me on to my last question for the podcast, and we always like to end the podcast on a non football related question, which gets passed down from each guest that we have on 
And the one for you today, and is subsequently the last one of the season, is would you rather have fingers for toes or toes for fingers and why? Oh, God. Um, oof. I think I'd rather have fingers for toes. Who wants to eat with toes? Grim. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good justification. Now, there is no pressure on this, but you have the honour of thinking of our non-football-related question to open next season up okay well on the spot now what can i do yes yeah no on the spot i like i like putting people on the spot here good god um oh no <laughs> so awfully... can be can be any question as long as it isn't football related as long as it isn't football see my yeah. mind just goes to football for absolutely everything oh me too me too that's why i came up with it oh god mate you've, you've really had me on the spot here you see how, <laughs> see how I've, I've been clear with every answer <laughs> this is always the one that stumps people the most because they're not expecting it no i'm not expecting it um would you rather fight 100 uh my double negatives are awful <laughs> <laughs> you know what's coming uh, why can't i do this like <laughs> 100 duck-sized bulls or one bull-sized duck there we go Fits the description. Perfect. I will have to make a note of that because it seems as though. <laughs> Got there ne- in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next season is a long time away, so I'll have to, I'll have to write that down somewhere. Well, might anyway, have to change the numbers up slightly, make it ten. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Well, a massive thank you to Charlie for joining me today. Without him, this episode wouldn't have been possible. If you'd like to look at more of his impressive work, his Twitter handle is at journohaf h a double f. I'd also like to give a massive thank you to Cole Petham, the the editor of these preview episodes, as he's not only given me the freedom to host and create this content for you to enjoy, but all that whilst doing all the dirty work behind the scenes, editing out all my mistakes, blunders and hiccups with little to no credit. A season of finding out Man City's Amos Murphy's definition of a brew, Rob Tanner's technique of tucking in his shirt into his underpants and that Sky Sports presenter Mark McAdam doesn't eat cereal. I've enjoyed every second. Lastly, I'd like to thank you, the listeners. Whatever the outcome at B6 on Sunday, us Villa fans have a team to be proud of, have a club to be proud of, which is only going in one direction. And that is forwards. Thank you for sticking with us at 7500 to halt through the highs and the lows, making every late night recording session worth it. I'm proud of how far we've come as a channel with even bigger aims for next season. I've been Sebastian and thank you for listening. Mm